Welcome to Talks, a bunch of, well, talks with builders that have things to say about DAOs, Web3, their life, and uh, other things. Today I'm talking to Ruben Russell. Born in Curaçao, he's currently living in the Netherlands working on his master degree. More importantly, though, he's working on Colectivo Labs doing regenerative finance, which is somewhat similar to DeFi, but it takes nature and climate into account to tokenize natural assets back to community currencies. This means that the value of a currency is linked to the health of its ecosystem. We'll also be talking about how DAOs can address, obviously, climate change, as well as the challenges introducing Web3 and DAOs to Curaçao specifically. That and more coming right up. First, however, I have to make, again, a statement requested by our lawyers. Here it comes. The information in this podcast is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. It is not intended to be and does not constitute financial advice, investment advice, trading advice, or any other advice. By the way, if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or Apple or Google or any other platform, consider heading over to talk.dalhas.com. That is uh, talk.dalhas.com. Um, you're getting the exact same podcast that you listen to now, plus an interactive transcript and uh, links to topics, sites, and people, and more talks. Also. Let's jump in. Hey, Ruben, how are you? Hi, Tim. I'm good. Doing well. Um, Where are good. you? And I'm currently uh, in uh, Curaçao, in, uh, that's an island in the Caribbean, off the coast of Venezuela, um, where I was born and raised. Um, so back home. I, back home. You're traveling yeah, I, a lot or you're like in, living in different places or there most of the time? So, so where I live is in the Netherlands currently because I'm doing a study there, a sociology master's, um, but my work is remote because I work in, uh, in Web3 and, and various projects. Okay. And why Holland? Why, how did you end up in Holland for studying? Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's kind of a, a, a yeah, so there is an entire his, historical legacy tied to Curacao in Holland uh, back in the colonial times. And um, yeah, I have a Dutch passport, so it makes it easier to uh, migrate to Holland, immigrate to Holland and, um, and live there. And then we also have the same privileges as the Dutch um, when it comes to education and, uh, and work and status within, within the Dutch uh, economy and government. Um, so, yeah, it's very common for people from Curacao to go study abroad um, and go to the Netherlands and, and have access to Dutch universities. Um, so that's why I, I went to the Netherlands back. I went back in 2015 and uh, until now, 2022. Okay. And um, you, you, you're studying what there? What are you doing? So I started off in 2015 with a bachelor's in entrepreneurship and retail management. So that was mainly on the commercial side, business side. And uh, then I stopped, or at least I finished my studies. And then I decided, uh, you know, I want to jump out of academia for a bit. I did some traveling. I went to Costa Rica. I went to Switzerland and Italy, New Zealand. I went to various places. 
And um, then on my travels, I decided I actually have a grand interest in sociology. So I decided to uh, do a little U-turn and go into the social sciences field. Um, and the reason for that is, um, yeah, I, I like to analyze human behavior. And now with technology, uh, you know, a technological future and digital future, um, human behavior is, is very important to, uh, to document when it comes to interacting with technologies. And I want to go there right away, but why do, why do I have in my mind that you are a designer? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I kind of did some self-study on design. Um, during my studies, I did uh, some online courses. I got very much interested in user interface and user experience design. Um, and that's kind of where, I, where my little design journey flew off. I started off with the bits of Web2. And uh, now I am doing some projects in the Web3. Um, yeah, Colectivo, PrimeDAO. And uh, I, before I did the uh, Caribbean Blockchain Network, which was an initiative by uh, me and a couple of colleagues Great. back in the day. That's, that's what I exactly want to hear about. So what have you been working on today and the last week? Where is, what's your mind at right now? What keeps Ooh. you occupied and sleepless? Yeah, so right now, um, I mean, recently right now, uh, just an hour before I jumped on, uh, on this call or this meeting, I, I was talking to a group of designers and that work, we work together on the Collectivo protocol, which is gonna be a, a new initiative within regenerative finance. So this is kind of a branch off of decentralized finance. And regenerative finance is kind of decentralized finance, but taking uh, nature and climate into account and focusing on, uh, on combining Web3 uh, uh, DeFi with climate action. Um, so yeah, I'm working together with a group of uh, designers uh, creating a user interface uh, and also user experience. Our first pilot and um, our MVP will be tested here on Curacao in the jurisdiction of Curacao. So we'll be doing some research this coming months. They'll fly over from Germany, um, Berlin and uh, we'll do some on-ground research and uh, with, with the users, which are gonna be the citizens or at least some participants of, uh, of this country. And uh, hopefully we can have a good uh, minimum viable product by the third quarter this year. And um, yeah. Regenerative finance, what should somebody imagine there? Can you give this a real example of what yeah, is so or what you guys doing? Correct. So regenerative finance is very new. It, it's a, a term that kind of started to fly around the end of 2021, I would say. Um, maybe even earlier. I don't want to be uh, stating exact times and stuff. But um, in, in essence, it's like I stated before, it's, it's using Web3 protocols, um, decentralized finance. Uh, so, you know, when you have, you know, your traditional finance um, services on, a, on chain and you create a decentralized finance uh, application such as uh, taxes and loans and derivative markets and stuff like that and try to um, combine it with the current uh, trends of the world which is our climate crisis that we're in and see how we can yeah link it up with uh, with regenerating the world so that's why we call it regenerative finance. It's not about regenerating your wallets, but more like regenerating the earth. Um, so yeah, an, a good example of that would be something like KlimaDAO. Um, that is an existing example of regenerative finance. Um, Tucan protocol, that is uh, tokenizing well, it, carbon assets. 
Yeah, so how would it work? Give me an example. Like, if, you know, um, I'm new to crypto. I heard about DAOs and, you know, I'm bit in DeFi, you know, swapped some tokens. Yes. What, how can I help? How can I help? Or how can somebody help to regenerate the world? So via, yeah, if, if you want to participate, it, it's kind of finance. So it's the same as DeFi. Like you can generate a yield, but while you're generating a yield, you're also supporting regenerative initiatives such as uh, reforestation, battling desertification, um, protecting certain environments. Um, you could, in the case of KlimaDAO and Tukan Protocol, where you have tokenized carbon um, assets, uh, you buy a token that represents a carbon offset and you kind of hike up the price of carbon. Um, uh, yeah, and in that sense, it makes it unattractive to uh, for companies to produce more carbon and then kind of uh, help the carbon market expand and also the price of carbon increase just by holding the token and staking it um, in that sense. So you just, just by participating on the protocol, you are already doing, having a regenerative impact. And that is uh, kind of what regenerative finance wants to stand for um, currently. And what and are you guys doing? Yeah, yeah so but in Colectivos, exactly. So Colectivos is a new initiative, but also pretty recent. Kickoff, kickoff was around um, November and December, um, where we um, we will we're gonna be trying to create natural uh, focusing on natural capital assets. So natural capital assets could be uh, ecological um, systems, so a forest, a coral reef. Um, the air, those are all nat nature's capital um, and creating an asset class for that that is on chain and then using that asset class to back uh, community currencies. That is what we're trying to do with Colectivo to create uh, natural capital assets, tokenize them, tokenize the natural capital um, ecosystem services and then back uh, community currency with it. So in that sense, the value of your currency is linked to the health of your ecosystem. Very good. That is kind so, of what we're doing. Yeah, because when, you know, the people I talk to more frequently and, you know, I also interviewed for this uh, series is uh, Will Rudick from Community Currencies in Kenya. Yeah, um, yeah. So would there be a link up? So for somebody that knows what Will is doing, you know, what would be the overlap between what you guys are doing and what Will is doing in Kenya? So Kenya, uh, Will actually, we worked with Will a lot um, with Curadao and uh, Curadai. Um, we are very much excited about what Will's doing, but what the overlap is basically Will is focusing on, on communities within Africa and, and Kenya um, on regenerating and also feeding people. So next to just creating, uh, using a land that has been um, um, degraded and regenerating it, you're also implementing um, ways that people can get food out of it, but also a new currency that people can use among their, their village. Um, but in the case of Curacao, we are also, we're focusing on the regenerating. So also our main first focus is gonna be food forests. These are, uh, um, yeah, uh, uh, agricultural approach or permacultural approach to, uh, to, to tropical farming using, uh, yeah, permacultural pr principles um, to, to, to plant and to, um, to design a, a farm in a way that's way more regenerative than it's currently done, currently done with uh, monoculture. 
um, and then kind of using these food forests as a use case or at least a, a first use case of um, creating natural capital assets out of this. So that means digital tokenizing a food forest and um, putting that on chain and then using that to back a currency, a community currency that will then also be used within the community of Curacao to buy services, to sell stuff. Um, yeah, so, and, and then tie that with a governance mechanisms and monetary policies and such. such. Um, so that's kind of where the op overlap is. It's really focused on local communities. Um, that is something different than the current DeFi world, which is very global. Um, and it's focusing on empowering local communities and regenerating the world at the same time. What, what aspects of you know, Web3 technology that you know is today at the disposal or that will come you know um, to our disposal in the foreseeable future. Let's start with the technologies that are currently at, at our disposal. What what aspects of it make you most excite you most? What, what do you what do you you know what aspects do you think are the the parts where you go like wow this is so amazing this was completely impossible to do and this is what's going to change everything really. Um... I would say for me personally, it is the transparency um, that's coming from me growing up in Curacao or growing up in older systems where you have a lot of lack of transparency and people misusing this uh, uh, as an opportunity to do malicious intent. Um, so that is one of the biggest one. Um, and at the same time, also being able to code or, or uh, document all decisions and transactions that are being done. Um, in a decentralized manner. Uh, th those are the most, yeah, the most exciting thing, or at least for me personally, the most exciting um, aspects of this current technology called blockchain technology. Um, yeah, transparency and immutability. Um, yeah. And do, you, and do you think that these characteristics and these technologies, you know, would be um, well-placed in, you know, government and governmental processes and do you think that's something that will happen is this something that you see on your radio yeah so so personally i, I well, personally but I, I what i see happening is some of it will definitely be adopted by some open governments um but some governments will resent um due to certain uh, uh, uh inherent mechanisms of the technology that there are you know, transparency, immutability, things that cannot be reverted and um, also that the network cannot be controlled. So that makes the government resent. But at the same time, I think there's going to be a new form of government. Like there will be governance will always exist. I mean, <clears throat> we do it throughout our entire lives every day, um, governance processes. Um, but a collective governance processes will, will be more natural to have, you know, in smaller decentralized groups um, governing by themselves and then maybe reporting in, uh, in a larger structure of, uh, of the nation. So maybe one neighborhood has a DAO and another neighborhood has a DAO and another neighborhood has a DAO. So you have more local uh, governance and everybody taking care of their local kind of federations. And then um, slowly that can then communicate it back up to uh, maybe a larger overarching DAO. Um, but that DAO is not is not capable of sanctioning the communities like the government is today. And do you and do you think um, do you think something that is 
you know, going to happen or that you can help make happen in Curaçao specifically? Yes, definitely, definitely. With the Colectivo Protocol, um, next to having a community currency and a regenerative aspect of it, um, the, the decentralized organizing and decentralized governance aspect of it is also very important. Um, creating a digital platform where people can come in and, and, and make decisions and decisions are recorded and initiatives can sprout out of that protocol um, and platform. Um, and I think something like that will be very at least for Curacao, it will be very new because I know that definitely in more Western and more modern societies, you have a bit more uh, access to digital or digitalization is already in a further stage. Um, but this would be making a jump leap. For example, here in Curacao, we have a very traditional banking system, very, very conservative. They don't want to change and innovate. Um, a lot of paper-based currencies so I com combining that with Colectivo, that would be like a big leap for, uh, for the people it, what is possible when it comes to decentralizing. Um, Good. Yeah. yeah um, so um, keeping on exactly that line, how one part of this, right, is if you use Web3 technologies to change society, to put it, you know, uh, in, a, mm -hmm. in a very way um there's obviously you know challenges as you already put you know it makes it difficult or you know governments might resist to that um for one or another reason um however what has been your experience with you know the people on the ground so you know there's really two aspects to this question one is what has the experience been and who do you see um actually getting involved and participating what kind of people and with what motivations and more importantly maybe what do you see are the biggest blockers today like what are what are you know what what are what is impeding what are the barriers that people start participating in this like you already have this DAO set up this initiatives what's what are the main things that are blocking people from you know coming and joining and participating um you mean mainly on curacao or just in general um within look, at, look at it in curacao i think the the interesting okay. thing more is focus that. on that yeah yeah um on curacao i would say the the terminologies that scares people a lot off um you know that uh, dao and cryptocurrencies and all the other terminologies that we should refi refi it's a bit for the average uh, local person it's it's not as normal as people that are living in the space and living on crypto Twitter all day. Um, so that that is a big, that turn, throws people off that they don't like, okay, that sounds too weird for me. Let me just continue with my life here. Um, think, let me jump in there. Do you think that this, because I would agree on this, I think this is a common symptom as well in different mm -hmm. countries. Do you think this like Web3 terminology from crypto to chains to DeFi and swaps and yields and you know whatever and you can make this infinitely complex right and cryptographic yeah. principles behind it. Do you think that is in any way different from you know what happened with the internet in the late 90s? Do you think the terminology was easier or there is there something is there an aspect to web3 that is inherently more scary than the internet like I'm trying to remember this too I think, yeah yeah. 
No, I think um, it. I mean, there is definitely some parallel things um, that that are happening. You know, there's new new technologies, new initiatives, new names. That's very common. Um, and then society and culture adapts. But um, oh, I think what also scares people off a lot is the 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 the, the cultures that tend to gravitate towards the already existing cultures tend to gravitate towards these technologies um they have a specific you know ideologies and and view on on the world um and they also sometimes a bit stubborn um that can also scare people off uh, but also just the, the the complexity of of what's being done and being used maybe that will fade away with time um, I'm hoping that, you know, slowly the more people are joining, there's going to be renaming, rephrasing, rebranding, and then it becomes easier for everybody. But at the moment, and right now, currently, that is what people are experiencing right now. So that's the reality on the ground. Um, but yeah, we can speculate on where, where it would go. Um, I, I probably think it will also take an approach of the internet. You know, once the critical mass is reached, then it doesn't really matter. Nobody's going to change no, no word and dictionaries will be updated. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I think. Um, next to just terminology, um, I think it's also being able to see the relevance of what uh, this technology can mean in someone's life um, here on Curacao. Uh, you know, we, we like to frame things with refi and uh, being <clears throat> censorship resistant and being able to have more autonomy and more control and more transparency, these type of things, usually we would think, oh, why, 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 why are people not gravitated towards this? You know, I, I'm, I'm also gravitated towards it. I also find it important, but a lot of people just want to see if they can, you know, what, if, will, it be, will it really improve their lives right now? Or is it the ones that have the time to research, the ones that have the time to understand that? Of course, we'll have, you know, stand stand way more for this technology and this change. Um, so yeah, that that I would say is a, is, is another barrier. Um, we have to communicate very clearly, like what what how this will improve somebody's life, and not just say yeah because censorship resistant. Okay, but why why is censorship resistant important? I, I would say it's not specific to Curacao. Huh? I was in a conversation yeah. today where I heard an indirect comment basically go, uh, DAOs are not never going to work, you know, direct democracy doesn't work anywhere, so it's doomed to fail. Mm. Yeah, so, exactly. That. Yeah, yeah, so that, that's, that's, an, that's a good example, you know, the people are living within their own context, and they're also with their own, their, their own frame of reference. Um, so it's also important to, to add to that, those references um, and, and maybe show initiatives where it did work and also highlight that, wait, you know, maybe we can attempt something that we haven't attempted. We have something new. Let's try these things that have been tried before, but maybe it will work different or even better um, with this new technology. That is, uh, that is how I would approach it. Um, yeah, so that, those are big barriers. And next to that, um, yeah, the overall trust as well. You know, there is also, of course, this entire uh, 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 stigma around uh, cryptocurrencies and uh, what governments are talking about, what uh, um, celebrities are saying. Um, so there's people that have certain amount of power and certain amount of status that 
give give it a bad name and we'll start to kind of uh, generate distrust in it. So those are also barriers that I think uh, that are existing here and on the island. You know, people think it's criminals or people think it's not real money. It will never be, you know, these are, I think, all evident in many societies in the world. Um, and uh, yeah, Curacao is not an exception. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm going, you know, because we touched on this now in the previous point, we said, you know, direct democracy doesn't work, you know, thousands. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you talked about your uh, regenerative finance, you know, again, there's clearly an aspect, um, you know, where obviously Web3 technology and specifically, you know, tokenization of assets and, you know, creating currencies, community currencies, where there's a really clear connection on how this technology allows to do something that was before just not possible to do. When we go into the second part of this, which is, you know, specifically on DAOs, um, what what do DAOs contribute to this, right? Like, you know, the token part, clear, um, you know, you can yep. create minutes. What is, what in your perspective is so special about DAOs? What, 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 why are they useful? Or what makes them different? Or what can you do what you were not able to do? Or what can you do on top of the tokenization you just talked about that um, is, um, that is, you know, not possible to do without it. Yeah, so what I believe um, DAOs are useful for um, is to organize, uh, for, first of all, to digitalize organizations, but also to organize ourselves in a different way that we couldn't do um, with traditional organizations. Um, it, it also in, in, introduces a new, or at least more modular design of organizations. We can now not only like we program money, we can also now program organizations. Um, and that creates a new, yeah, new experiments will sprout out of that. People going for more horizontal approaches, people going for more vertical approaches, um, maybe vertical and horizontal together. Um, it can it can go way more uh, uh, flexible than in any traditional organization currently. Um, Besides that, it is also very easy to set up. Um, it's also because it's bit, um, on, a, on a blockchain, it's verifiable. Decisions are documented in a way that have, that probably would not have been done before or it would have been done centrally. Um, and slowly, I, I see like we're moving to normalize being online and working online, like right now I'm talking online and making decisions online and transacting money online and transacting soon NFTs online, you know, new forms of, of assets represented by a token online. And yeah, we're, we're merging into a more digital society. Um, and DAOs are gonna be the grand part of that. It's, it's also, I believe, also a very new way of, uh, of experimenting with old, um, 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 initiatives that didn't didn't work in it with the technologies that they had at that time, um, such as direct democracy. Um, things were going way more efficient, way more faster. Uh, also, more transparency in decision making. That was maybe, for example, a good example is a, a company needs to be transparent by giving a quarterly report. But now we have DAOs that you have just real time. You know what decisions are made. You know how much money is going in, going out. 
And you can maybe even create an API that just grabs that information and data and prints out uh, a summary of it or a dashboard or something like that. So that is something that was not possible before without human involvement. Now it's, uh, it's being done more automated in a more automated way by being present on chain. Um, so that's- I wanna, I wanna go a bit deeper down on this because um, you know, when I talk to people that are more in the, you know, web two or more in the business world and from a different generation, you know, this all sounds great. And if you, you know, think about this feature advantage benefit statements, right, then this becomes all features. It's, you know, and you're saying, um, yeah, you can now be, you know, more horizontal or more vertical. You know, the question is, why could you not do that before? What's the big difference now that you have this technology or, you know, now you can be more transparent. Yeah, that's great. But what is, what difference does it make in terms of the organization producing in the end an impact, right? Like it needs to translate somehow into a productive outcome or a return of investment. So what is it that is really different that, you know, it's not just, you know, a characteristic of the organization, but where does the technology actually translate in this chain to something that, you know, in, in, increases the impact it has? Yeah, I think it translates more in the, in the area of efficiency and speed um, that previously couldn't have been done. For example, um, you know, if you want to have a meeting um, and make decisions together, you would have to have a big room, gather people around, physical presence, um, and now you can do this online, or you can even just put a proposal out, let people vote whenever they have time to vote on it within a certain time frame. Um, that efficiency and speed is, was not existent, and, and the documentation of it as well. You know, decisions are not made in a, in a closed room, and uh, people feeling left out because they're not part of it. Um, so yeah, and it, it kind of it reduces cost in time and money and uh, increases efficiency of speed um, when it comes to uh, uh, organizational pr procedures or processes such as meetings, um, delegation of tasks, contributions, uh, uh, keeping track of everything, these type of things. That's, That's where, I, where I would say um, the efficiency and the, the, yeah, the benefits of DAOs at the moment i mean there's way more things spiraling out of this tomorrow it's a whole different world in, in the dao space but uh, you know what i mean yeah I, I know what you mean and um you know and putting this into your own environment again because you know obviously you know ability to have meetings i don't need the blockchain necessarily for that right like and i think that's that's yeah. obviously stuff that you know we are referring to it's already coming through the internet what I'm looking for is, you know, what are the things that the, you know, Web3 technologies and specifically blockchains enable to do in the organization? Just, you know, because this would be the common thing if somebody has a, who needs the internet, you know, my business is working well, I would say, well, you know, use the internet, you can do remote meetings, you don't need the offices, you have reduced cost, you can involve people at a global scale, you can hire globally, right? And then you can make an argument how internet technology measurably can reduce cost or make it faster, yeah. you know, or more productive to do things. Where do you think that, you know, DAOs and blockchain technology specifically allow to do 
thinks an organization and think about it in your specific context and croissant, the projects that you're involved in, where you see things and you go like, well, without the blockchain would never be at this point where we are now because we could have never done this or this would have been prohibitively expensive. What are the edge that the DAOs give in this sense? In this yeah, so this is this like reminds me actually of a work that I've done uh, in the past um, in 2019, together with the Caribbean Blockchain Network, we wrote a report and did the research on what is the, you know, what is, is are DAOs even viable for Curacao? Um, and we wrote a report called uh, under Caribbean Blockchain Network for uh, DAO stack at the time. And what we saw is what we did is we analyzed how uh, certain you know uh, uh, problems or we, we analyze certain spheres the economic sphere the social political sphere the environmental sphere and see how organizations are behaving and what are the the shortcomings of these organizations that are currently being organized in the traditional manner um and a lot of the problems really yeah were that that arise was lack of lack of transparency um lack um, a lot of corruption because of that also um and also that lack of um participation of people and um accountability because of the lack of transparency and these these problems ar arise and when we saw like wait you know if you if you implement the DAO in this in this field instead of a traditional organization you would maybe not have those type of problems because decisions would be very transparent, transactions would be very transparent, people would not use their uh, their influence and power, at least uh, uh, untransparently, <laughs> um, to to move uh, an organization within their you know to do to, to do things within their self interest. Um, so those are the areas I, I at least on Curacao that we saw that were very important for DAOs. Um, that DAOs could be a valuable option for uh, for reducing those type of outcomes, um, corruption, um, embezzlement, and the lack of accountability and I integrity. Perfect, I, I think it makes perfect sense because obviously, you know, you have this technologies create, you know, similar impact everywhere, but there's very specific um, cultural differences, right? And things like transparency, corruption and so on this you know different levels and indicators depending region country city exactly. and so, on. so that's obviously very very interesting um from there um you know because you've been involved in you know you've been involved in things that um you know would typically all fall under non-profit causes right regenerative finance leave a you know positive um, impact, or at least impact investment, you know, it's like, I, I see that. Um, so you're less interested, I assume, if uh, Tesla is accepting Bitcoin uh, as a payment uh, form or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're less interested in that. We're more interested in how we can, uh, how we can use this technology, blockchain technology, to, uh, to experiment in, in fields that are needed, you know, in organizational areas, um, in governance, in art, maybe in, in documentation and data, those areas, and not just a currency. A currency is, is, is a technology, but it's not the solution to everything, really. Um, we can use this technology for way more. Currency was the first application of it. 
technology we can use. If yeah. I, I was very passionate about a specific thing that's uh, educating you know, children that don't have means of education or protecting animals or whatever it is that I deeply care about. What would you recommend to someone, you know, that, you know, is now playing with this idea, hey, I should join or build it out. What are the steps to get involved? Like you're not in the crypto world yet, you know, maybe you bought a few tokens here, there, but you're not a, really a member of anything nor a builder of anything. What would you recommend? What is the path? What should people do that, you know, really care passionately about it and now go, maybe DAOs are, you know, the way to, to, to tackle this? Yeah, so if you want to uh, start your own DAO, um, in that case, you would have, you, first of all, you would need a very strong narrative. You need a very strong story around why you want a DAO because there are many DAOs out there that, people just start and that really don't really understand why they're there. That narrative will attract people. Um, you can go maybe on an existing launch platforms like uh, Prime Launch, or you can go to uh, Aragon or Colony. Um, yeah, various or existing DAO platform or DAO launching platforms um, where you can then launch your DAO. You can then choose your type of governance system. You can maybe tie a specific token to it. You can create a constitution um, or a manifesto that kind of uh, entails your narrative. And then you get the option to gather maybe some contributors to then work and co-organize together. Now, a DAO wouldn't make sense if you are sitting all in the same house because then decisions are made way more efficiently just by talking to each other. But it would make, make, make way more sense if you have um, an initiative that you want to do locally and you want to gather maybe resources and skills abroad um, to help you create an impact locally or even funds um, and, and allocating funds on a, on a national basis. Uh, but your nation is huge, like you're, you know, one, one person is in that side of the, the nation and the other side that side of the nation. Um, so, yeah, then you'll choose your contributors or you kind of market your DAO and say like, hey, this is what we're doing, would like to have some more contributors. Um, and you then have to, yeah, have general DAO operations, uh, start a Discord chat, use the online messaging um, um, applications and platforms that are there to communicate, Zoom, Meet, Jitsi, all these, uh, uh, these are Web2 Web tools, but we use them to, to also coordinate and organize our Web3 um, organizations, which is not a bad thing, I would say. Um, just it, It's just very important to know that everything that is being documented and transactions that are being done are done on chain, but the site coordination can be done, can be done off chain. Um, yeah, so I would say that's kind of like the, the, the approach I would take. And it's also what I've seen in the industry, a lot of uh, organizations and protocols to take that, that transformed into a DAO. Either they build a product and users start to use it and then they distribute, they create a token and they just spread it all around and give everybody a say in, in their, you know, the token means maybe one vote or there's token weighted voting systems. And everybody that has a token or receives that token by via airdrop is now a participant within a DAO or a member of the DAO. Um, or they start very small, like you have maybe DORG, um, which is a, the software, Web3 software development company that organizes itself in a DAO um, by receiving and, and allocating funds through 
uh, a DAO interface through a Gnosis safe or something like that. Um, yeah, the, 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 those are the, the, the steps I would take. Start a good, good narrative, um, show face, create a mirror where people can look in like an online presence, uh, gather the people that are needed to make sure that this narrative happens. If you don't have the people, search for them. If you don't have, the, if the people won't come, find a way to maybe gather some funds and then you'll attract more people and organize using other web two tools, have regular meetings, uh, have a good onboarding um, 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 process in place. And yeah, then, then, then voila, you're in web three organizing or web three organization. Do you, two questions. Do I need to be a developer for this? No, you don't have to be a developer. Developer, there is a stigma, of course, within the Web3 that Web3 is for coders and developers and digital gurus and all of that. Um, but you can be anything. I've, uh, I personally am not a developer. I'm a designer. Um, you can also be a copywriter. You like to write, make videos. You do that. If you want to do podcasts, you do that. If you are a scientist, you can also do that. You can just, you have, but you have to, you have to come with your uh, initiatives. In the DAO, there's a lot of self-organizing um, where people come and are actually like proposing an idea um, and they're not always told what to do, um, but they come with their ideas and ask the people, is it all right if I do this? Um, so that is also a big culture within DAOs. So if you're if you want to do research on, for example, Curacao, when we did back in the day, we also did it via DAO funding. Um, we proposed. We said, "Hey, we want to check out how DAOs or what DAOs are, what DAOs can mean for Curacao, um, and this is within the benefit of the DAO space. So we would like some funds to 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 execute this research, and like that, you contributed not only you you ex executed your ideas and your work, but you also contributed to the let's say the general the grant vision and purpose of that organization. It needs to be within the purpose, though. So. Don't do be need, afraid. Do I need to do I need to learn tokenomics? Because you said earlier, hey, I'm you're gonna release a token. Uh, I just like I mean make it depends. Or do I need to take a <laughs> master's degree in economics in order to be able to do that? No, you don't need all those uh, things to 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 participate or create in a uh, create a DAO or participate in a DAO. It would be of benefit to understand certain terms um, because, like I said in the beginning, it is a bit of a of a steep learning curve when it comes to terminologies and words that you've never heard before. But once you uh, once you get that, then it should be fine. You can uh, jump your DAO DAO journey tomorrow. Go to one of these DAO launch platforms. Maybe you, you, what you would need is some some cryptocurrency to to launch stuff, so to, to pay for transactions and transaction fee. Um, but then you can launch a DAO, and then you'll use other tools to organize people. I got getting to the last few questions. So we're still talking about DAOs. What um, not only DAOs, but name me the three most inspiring web three projects for you what are the what are the three projects where you look into the space and go like you know one two three and give me one sentence why really short what are the what are the three projects that you admire yeah so i admire um common stack i admire common stack a lot because um yeah they're building DAO tooling that is very 
they're, they're building DAO tooling with intention, um, not just to, to with intention of creating a better economy and a better operating organization that is more human centered and culture centered than just tech centered. Um, that's why I'm drawn to Common Stack. Um, another sister organization is Give It. Um, Give It is creating a donation platform and uh, um, for yeah crypto donations and making an entire economy that actually creates a, a, a type yeah a type of sustainable charity, a closed loop charity instead of a, a an open loops charity, where the economy um, yeah. There's economic incentives to increase, uh, to donate, and also to, to have funds to donate. Um, and the last one cited is hmm, PrimeDAO. PrimeDAO is working on DAO to DAO tools, so how DAOs can collaborate together. That is uh, also a very, very new and uh, inspiring field where I also worked on um, doing user experience, uh, user interface design um, for the prime deals, which is soon going to come in around April. Hopefully they're going to launch uh, prime deals where DAOs can come and make, they can, can uh, do their token swaps. They can swap and uh, tokens with each other. They can soon maybe also merge with each other. Um, and it's a very, very cool uh, community of uh, very yeah, inspiring individuals and they're working on various things but they're working on the tooling that's necessary and needed at the, at the current stage where DAOs are so that's uh, the third one last question so when i um <clears throat> when i you know when i or you any one of us three talks to people you run into kind of this stereotypes people or still stereotypes of people but stereotypes of opinions you know about working in web3 and what's being done in the web3 world and there's you know people that see this um utopian future you know where everything is going to be awesome and rosy and better um there's people that obviously as you put in already you know they're scared and they think it's all a big permit scream it's full of drug dealers and arms dealers and assassins you know um and then there's people that look at it and go well you know, we're likely going to decentralize infrastructure, hardware, software, and stuff, but we're likely going to end up centralizing power anyway. And this time we're not going to end up with, you know, Facebook or Google, but we're going to end up with governments or government-like organizations going to be able to trace back where every penny went and where it's going. And, you know, we're going to have a total control state. Um, where do you think, short, we're gonna end up. What do you believe? What do you believe the future is going to hold? Um, yeah, there's a utopian uh, side of it and a dystopian side of it. Um, where I, I personally would like to see it go, of course, more towards the utopian side of things. Um, I would like to see a lot of organizations dissolve and go into um, and become DAOs. Um, more digital organizations or digitalization of their organization, but also <clears throat> creating a more, uh, what's the word, the right word for this? I would say like a liquid, uh, fluid, that's the word, fluid um, organizations and also relations between the owner and the worker and the worker being an owner and also the owner being a worker. 
that's what I would like to see. You would see organizations that are not only, maybe they'll organize themselves hierarchically to do stuff, but the, at the end of the day, the ownership is still in the hands of the entire, all the participants of the hierarchy. It's not, um, yeah, leaders don't mean, if you're a leader doesn't mean you have most shares. Um, you, can, you can move people, but you don't own everything. That is, uh, that's what I would like to see happening with the Web3 space. There's way more going to happen, of course, with re regenerative finance, um, using that, using Web3 as a tool to regenerate and even assist and reduce climate crisis um, outcomes. Um, but my my personal, yeah, what I what draw drew me to this uh, to this space was um, new ways of organizing, new ways of organizing us, um, as the current ways haven't always been uh, as positive outcome as as we can. Uh, yeah, as we want them to be. So, yeah, more and more worker-owned organizations. <laughs> Ruben, that was excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tim.